0: Musical Theater Writer Guy is recorded as a YouTube channel series on Muncie Lenape and Canarsie Lands. The audio from each episode is also released here in podcast form. To watch or to learn more, please find us on YouTube or through my website at com. That's
1: M-I-C-H-A-E-L-R-A-D-I dot com. Enjoy the show! So we went away to a cabin in the woods to... Uh, We were pretty close. You were writing about
0: murdering trees. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. And if you should have seen the cabin, that's a whole other story. (laughs) It was its own horror
2: film. Yeah. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I slept with so much clothes on, socks, everything. (laughs) Anyways, whole other story was the cabin itself. But every evening when we were done with our writing duties for the day, Uh, We would sit about and Charlie would have jokes that he'd want to punch up or get a new take on at least. Mm -hmm. And so what we would do, though, is we would each take turns, as I had just said before, being the arbiter. So one person would be the arbiter and and set up set up the joke. And then the two others would write possible punch lines. And then the arbiter would choose which one of the two makes it. And we would just keep going Mm -hmm. in a circle who the arbiter is. And it was very, very fun. Uh, what I remember of it anyways. <laughs>
0: hey everybody, and welcome back to a special
1: edition of Writer Real Talk with, uh, three other writers
0: in the room. My very good friends Patrick Spencer, Anthony D'Angelis, and Charlie O'Leary, who have a show, I guess, coming up? This little thing called Axmas, maybe you've heard of it on the channel before in one of the interviews with Charlie or with Patrick but I've gathered them together so we can learn all about it and the process, because it's a very cool process that they went through in putting the show together, which is happening when, fellas? The December. December 1st through 18th, sorry. <laughs> December 1st through 18th, so excited. Um, so quickly for, for all of us out there, because maybe you don't know these faces yet, uh, could each of you quickly just introduce yourself a little bit, how you identify as an artist, and what hats you might be wearing on the Axmas project? Uh, we'll start with you, Patrick.
2: Awesome. Uh, hey, everybody. I'm Patrick, he, him, and I use, uh, I, I, I do all sorts of like, Lyrical things was my main focus on this program. I did a couple of musical things I did a couple of book things, but the main hat I wore was the lyrical hat Uh, Charlie tell us about yourself
3: Yeah. uh, I'm Charlie O'Leary. I use he, him pronouns. I'm a playwright. Uh, I live in Iowa city where I just finished my uh, MFA in playwriting at the university of Iowa. And uh, yeah, I wrote the book for this uh, show. I met uh, these two folks as a, as a lyricist in the BMI workshop. I do write lyrics as well, but I, uh, on this was primarily working on the uh, on the book. Uh,
1: And hi y'all Anthony DeAngelis here, he, him, and I, you know, if you can, use the process of elimination here, did primarily music stuff. However, we all dabbled in each other's business a little bit here and there. <laughs> but yeah, music music department is my primary hat on this adventure.
0: Wonderful and lovely. And we'll get into where y'all crossed over a little bit a little later on. But um, so first and foremost, Axmas. If you could uh quickly describe what this show is slash what it's about for everyone i think that'd be great because uh i don't know how i would describe it personally except for it's a blast
3: so
1: whoever (laughs) wants to take it away it's not your all different holiday show
3: yes no go ahead charlie no no i feel like we all have really different answers to this maybe i feel like i've been using sort of like i I have like a one-liner like pitch now um that i've been like Um, which is an Aximus story is a musical parody of 1980s slashers movies uh, set on a Christmas tree farm and told from the perspective of the trees. Um, That's very succinct. That's very good. Thank you. Uh, But it doesn't tell you anything about the plot. So or the characters (laughs) or sort of like, you know, and so, you know, value in all things. Um, What what you guys describe I mean, I feel like how do you guys describe the show?
2: I feel like that's a that's a that's a pretty good summation of what we would what we would say like whether you whether we call it a send up or a parody or whatever verbiage you want to use it's we're just poking fun at John Hughes movies we're poking fun at eighties slasher movies we're poking fun at eighties music it's like all all things eighties and all things Christmas are uh, on the chopping block for this show <laughs> the chopping block
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and and saying chopping block it is it is indeed a dark musical comedy which I, you know, I, pri- I pride myself upon because I just, you know, I, lo- I it turns out every show I write is dark. It, I mean, i in thinking about all the shows I've written now, I don't think there's one that's just been like a light, fluffy thing. Not that this isn't light and fluffy. It's also <laughs> just really dark. <laughs>
0: I feel like we all just learned a lot about you, Anthony, that everything you write
1: is dark. It's about right. <laughs> so, okay, so 80s, Christmas, horror. Where did
0: this idea come from? How did this become a thing that's about to take
1: place in a production? Like, where, what was the seed for this, and when? I, I mean, this the seed, as it were, uh, was some years ago, I forget how many years ago this was, but weirdly, I thought to myself, I thought, wouldn't it be charming to have a children's book about the, the lowly, there's this Christmas song called Percy the Puny Poinsettia. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of this song. Oh. But it's, it's personally the puny poinsettia was hanging alone in dismay. If they had just kept him wet, he'd be a houseplant today. And it's all about the other poinsettias. And, and, and like being, yeah. Feel, yeah, feeling so sad for this one little kind of pathetic poinsettia. So I thought if this was a Christmas tree farm and you had one tiny Christmas tree that wasn't being picked. But then if you take that line of reasoning and extend it, it's actually really, really dark. And so it obviously could not live as a children's story anymore. And as we started writing it, we just we just realized uh, like all the other things started to fall into place. Like, why, how do we jam in all the things? How do we jam in like a holiday show? How do we jam in the 80s? How do we jam in dark comedy? Uh, and it just became a bit of a soup. But really, like the seed of it, it started in a very different place than it finished. It's not where you start. It's where you finish. Mm. <laughs> okay. so the rest of it,
0: like the the rest of the dressing, just kind of came along as you were creating
2: or talking about it. Or, well,
1: Patrick, do you want to say the next leg of this journey?
2: Yeah, I mean, so I, I think we 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 went through multiple iterations of the show. So, like the the version that Anthony pitched to me, the puniest Christmas tree was like in league with. The, the the Christmas tree farmer. And so he was like selling out all of his fellow Christmas trees and getting them like chopped down. Oh, right. I and became, like, and, then, the and then Small Paul went on this like power kick and then was like the only tree left. And then at that point he was like, you realize that Small Paul was actually the Christmas tree from like the Charlie Brown Christmas where like this like Charlie Brown-esque <laughs> kid walks on the farm at the end of the show. And it's like, I want that one's perfect. And then oh, down goes Small Paul. Man. Um, so, but we, uh, we couldn't figure out exactly how to sell that. And so we spent like <laughs> spent a lot of time watching really terrible, like just terrible horror films. Like we watched like <laughs> the ice cream man, we watched Sleepaway oh. camp, like, um, and so like, we and no. so we, we just, we, we took a lot of these, like, like the quintessential horror outline where it's like, Oh, there's this. There's this gotcha in the first five minutes where something extreme happens Mm. and then we go back to the regular plot and then, like, there's, like, you know, plot, 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 excitement, plot, 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 excitement. Mm. And so, like, we tried to follow that, like, general horror arc, but around Christmas trees and, like, how can we sort of put those pieces together? And we got got solidly far. We had a full draft of that show and then at that point, we, um... We, uh, Anthony and I were like, neither of us are really book writers. <laughs> so um, we're like, what do we do here? And uh, that was right around the time that, uh, uh, you know, good old February, March 2020. <laughs> and uh, that's when we started our, our writing process, had to go entirely remote uh, because of the old pandemic. And so we're like, well, if we have to go entirely remote anyway let's reach out to our good friend, Charlie O'Leary, who lives in Iowa so that we can, if we're writing remote, then he can write remote with us. And so that is when uh, we reached out to Charlie and he can tell you about leg three of the, uh, of the Aximus journey. I love those.
3: Which was, um, yeah, no, they came to me with this idea and I was like, obviously this is the most, you know, bananas idea I've ever heard. And so I like, therefore I must be involved. and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think at that time you guys had written "Log Jammin, which is sort of like an early you know, one of the first murders in the show, and then uh, Growing Places," which is sort of Small Paul's like character establishment song. And I think that's all you guys had written of the music so far. you had you had a few book scenes as well of like the new sort of version of the show, which is like resembles the version that we we have written today. Like the outline is like pretty similar to what you guys pitched to me. I think with a few scenes cut. and like, um, the general shape of it was like, you know, Small Paul and Noel, like. Go, you know, solve the mystery of like why the trees are disappearing and, and they find out it it's former Todd and they save the day. Um, and like, that is still roughly what happens. Oh, sorry, spoiler alert. Um, uh, I feel like that sort of gets, well, do Um, But Small Paul in that version was sort of like, he was like a little Cartman, like sort of South Parky y uh, little like jerk. And like the characters were sort of very different people then. And I think it, you guys are talking about the show being dark and I actually think the show is like pretty sweet and like, especially in its like current iteration. Um, and so, I, yeah, it's funny. I'm like, oh, I wonder how much like that darkness and that sweetness is like us pulling against each other throughout this process, which is great. Um, so yeah, they pitched this to me in like May uh, with a few songs. I came on board and like we started meeting just once a week and I would, uh, we would talk about what we were doing next. I would like write, you know, a sort of word vomit version of the book scene in my bathtub that morning, um, you know, sort of in a in a fit of desperation. And I don't think, I hope none of that text has made it into the show. Um, but uh, yeah, they would, you know, the, the two of them, Anthony and Patrick, them, would look at those scenes and sort of would uh, craft songs that like would fit within them. And then, and then I would recraft the scenes around the songs and then we would sort of all dip into each other's stuff. And then a year later, we had a draft. Um, wow. And uh, and that's the story of an Exhibit story. <laughs> wow. Well, so what's fascinating about
0: that for me is, obviously I know all of you and I've known about this project kind on the sidelines but i didn't know that you'd been working on for quite that long Mm. um and i guess i didn't realize that charlie was brought on board after the pandemic started which makes so much sense i mean when everything shifted to online we were you know not allowed to see each other for six months um but that's really fascinating i love hearing how that started with a collaboration of two and then there was a realization for a need of a three and so you brought in the
1: person and the right person, indeed. So that's really cool. Um, and three is always nice because then you get an arbiter. You know, yeah. Because you could true. always you could just say to yourself, "Well, I was right, but I've been outvoted," and you can sleep that night.
2: <laughs> and we've done that in
3: this show. And that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was
1: like, I we, we definitely had a, we have.
3: have our argument <laughs> about a specific joke and how, how if it was too dark, and you know, eventually. Uh, One of us was outvoted and, uh, you know, that was it was good that we were able to resolve that that moment. (laughs) The argument
1: never dies, though. It just came up the other night when we were out with the director. Really? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I trot that out as much as I can.
0: Interesting. Now, what I want,
1: uh, we don't have to share this with the
0: audience, but what I want is, personally, a list of all the jokes that have been cut because I want to know how
1: dark it got. Pretty X-rated. Pretty (laughs) X-rated, for sure. Not that it's not now. Yeah. It's just a different kind of it's like it's different flavors of X-rated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some flavors made it in.
2: And honestly, I don't know if we I don't even know if we have a list of do you have the joke game results still saved on your phone, Charlie? Do we have oh, a full sure list of jokes that were pitched that just didn't make it into the show? Wait, yeah, can I'm we can we talk about the joke game a bit here? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I love
0: this <laughs> so much. So what is it? What is the joke game?
1: Uh, who wants to just dis- I could describe the joke game to, the, for to the best of my ability is we went away so we went away to a cabin in the woods to uh, like we were you pretty do close. When you were writing yeah, about like-
0: murdering trees.
1: Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And if you should have seen the cabin, that's a whole other story. <laughs> it was to its tell. own horror
2: film. Yeah. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, absolutely. I slept with so much clothes on, socks, <laughs> everything. Anyways, whole other story was the cabin itself. But every evening when we were done with our writing duties for the day. Uh, we would sit about and Charlie would have jokes that he'd want to punch up or get a new take on at least. Mm-hmm. And so what we would do, though, is we would each take turns, as we, I had just said before, being the arbiter. So one person would be the arbiter and and set up set up the joke. And then the two others would write possible punch lines. And then the arbiter would choose which one of the two makes it. And we would just keep going mm-hmm. in a circle who the arbiter is. And it was very, very fun. Uh, what I remember of it anyways.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, And it was, it was super successful because we, we didn't like whatever was voted on that night went into the next day's draft of the script. And so the next day we would read it and be like, Oh, no matter, like no matter if we all agreed, if the joke worked, we would put it in the script and read it in context. And then if it didn't work that same joke went back into the joke game for the next night, and we would, like, rework it. And we did we did new jokes that way. We did, we re, we rewrote lyrics that way. We, like, pitched lyrics for a couple of songs. Like, how can we make this lyric funnier? Like, we did it for, like, multiple different contexts throughout the show. It was, like, super successful.
1: Yeah, super uh, worthwhile if you ever want to play the joke game with people. Or, you know, just the game in general because it doesn't work for anything. It doesn't have to be jokes per se, as Patrick was just saying. That is... So cool. What I love about that is the group acknowledgement
0: of this is fine, but we know there's better. Let's pinpoint that moment and then let's workshop it over and over and over until we get it right or until we have had something that we're more satisfied
3: with. That is so useful. Yeah, it really right. was. Sometimes the best option is the first option, but sometimes it's like the fifth option and you sort of don't get to the fifth option because the first option was fine. And like, this was a sort of way of making sure that we got to the fifth option, I think. And like, we're able to sort of see all our, our what was possible. Um, yeah, there's there are some jokes I feel like from that game that I'm like, oh, I'm sad that didn't make it in, But also like, they were, I think that everything that like is in the show right now is like, right for that moment in the show. And like, sometimes, you know, a joke is just that, yeah. The jokes that got cut just because like it was not the right like flow or rhythm, uh, in the moment or like you know it just like made the scene a half feet too long. Like uh, I will miss those jokes the most, but that's okay. <laughs> well, we'll publish the joke game results one day. That'd be great. I would love that. <laughs> in
0: in your memoir anthologies, which for which I'm very excited,
3: I can't wait. Sort for of like a two book collection. It'll be called finishing the, I don't know joke. <laughs> Finishing the chat. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. See, okay. Workshop, workshop. This is a collaboration. There
0: it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you utilized um bad horror movies and generally uh have come together and workshop things, but how how did you come to the the types of um sounds and tropes that get used in this show because i saw a reading of this this was wait this was last december yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh my god a year y'all um and i loved how ridiculously over the top 80s it sounded there's just some something delightfully nostalgic about it while also just being really freaking funny and um, I remember thinking to myself, like, how did they how did they pinpoint these sounds? And also the jokes are very on point, like they're exactly what you want it to be for something that's parroting the entire idea of 80s, especially 80s like camp horror sort of idea.
1: So how did you how did you find this? How, where did it come from? I mean, mu- musically speaking, uh, you could go through the show and, and I think almost Almost literally, you can go through the show and look at each song and each song definitely has, if you're looking hard enough, the song that I ganked from the 80s, like (laughs) almost, almost certainly like Log Jamming was one of the first things I wrote. But the reason that I, I was so desperate to write that song was because weirdly during the summer of 2020, I went way down a hair metal hair metal rabbit hole and I got deep into hair metal. I was like, you know, like I went home to hang out with mom and dad for a few weeks. I became one of those dudes that works out with the garage door open, you know, like. You became an eighties film. Yes. And like, I'm there listening to like (laughs) Motley Crew, like high-waisted jeans and and crap. Oh yeah, of course, (laughs) of course. And you gotta like, you gotta have like the bench press, like in the middle of the garage, like that, that was the look for me. And so uh, like log jamming itself, I think is just, I mean, it's not, it's not like perfect ripoffs. I do kind of just taking the sound world of these songs, but they are jumping off points. And I think "Logjam" is probably Girls, Girls, Girls by Motley Crue. And then there's, there's like, It's Up To You, which is Bow Wow Wow, uh, I Want Candy. Like I could go through all these songs and be like, they do have roots in something else. However, of course, as you know, uh, how it progresses through, through the lens of theater in that prism it's going to take a different shape, of course, because it has to serve this dramatic function. And not only are we going to pull from the sound worlds, but we also have to figure out in what ways does it move the story forward? And that inevitably takes the music in different directions. Like, for instance, in the middle of Log Jam, and it is like kind of a standalone hair metal song, but how we insert the scene into the middle of it and kind of inject the horror element. Um, so, but anyways, like sound world-wise, is literally just me listening to lots of 80s songs and then learning a little bit about, uh, synthesizer, like synthesis on logic. Like I just got a synth, I downloaded a synth called serum, which people might know about if they use logic or they use Ableton or anything. And I kind of designed sounds. A lot of them, I just designed to sound like 80s sounds, which was really, really fun because, you know, I don't know, you know, I really don't know too much about, that world and so it was like kind of a broad new horizon for me. Also the drums just just for fun. My my dad is still like on like I would say 60 to 75% of all the drum tracks are still what we recorded at his house cuz he also has an electronic drum set yes. and so we just plugged in to Logic while I was home and he recorded like little snippets for all the songs and we kind of rearranged it or quantized it and put it in different places but a lot of it is still dead which I kind of find uh fun. I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> so that's a little bit about the sound world of it, mm-hmm. and of course, holiday elements too. You know, you got to throw in the jingle bells. You got to throw in like the 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 hallmarks of the holiday music scene.
2: Yeah, the public domain elements of the yes. holiday music scene. <laughs> right, but of yeah. course, <laughs> very important. <laughs> but also, like things that aren't just like specific '80s songs. Like we have a a song that lives in the Danny Elfman camp of eighties music, which like it's hard right. to to pinpoint what Danny Elfman song it sounds like because it just sounds like Danny Elfman at all. Right. So being able to find those musical moments and those like quintessential eighties moments, whether in music or joke, was like the the the, the right way to go about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And from from a book point of view, uh, how how did because eighties. Movies, just in general, no matter what the genre is, they were very, very formulaic. And you have crossover of genre. So, what did that process look like in taking the formulas and like zhuzhing them together? Because I think, Charlie, you made a great point earlier that the show does have a lot of heart. It is very sweet, while at the same time, it is a comedy and it is dark and there is horror elements and also Christmas. So, like, how did all of this come together?
3: Honestly, okay, can I do? you mind if I jump on that? Because like, it's actually this is like you guys' work, but um, I mean, like I said, they came to me sort of with an outline of the show, and I it was using it was riffing on sort of tropes around or sort of like what is sort of the the structure of a an '80s like slasher movie? What is the structure of like an '80s John Hughes movie? Um. But like, I think mostly just like, what is the sort of like classical structure of a musical? I think that this is a pretty traditionally structured musical. Like, um, and I think you know, sort of, it is intermissionless, but it has, it is sort of in three acts. Uh, you know, the first two, which would go before the intermission if there were an intermission, and the second and or, or the third after. Um, you know, we. Uh, have character establishment songs sort of where you would expect them to be and like charm songs sort of where you expect them to be um and I think we just sort of followed you know that like sort of hero's journey musical theater path and I think the thing that became the thing that's exciting to me about that is like sort of the fact that at least in my opinion sort of whose journey that was sort of shifted over the course of our writing um I feel like now it's more Noel and Small Paulette's hero's journey than than Small Paul's um although they're like I would Still consider them co protagonists, and I, I love that we could disagree on this actually. Um, but I think that, uh, yeah, I, I ultimately like structurally, I think that we just you know were able to rely on on that classic musical theater structure because it worked really well for the kinds of stories we were telling, which might just speak to the I mean, this might go back to the thing that you were saying about all of these stories, Michael, being really um, there being sort of a generic quality to the like structure of them, or sort of a like a you know, there's there's a way that those stories are told, um, and there's a way that like many musicals are told. And I think that like, anytime you just sort of like engage with a uh, a structure that we're familiar with, we're just going to feel comfortable and familiar. And that will bring us to the places we need to get to if sort of the stylistic elements are all there. Um, which is maybe to say, I don't, cause like this, yeah, I don't know. There's like ways in which it totally doesn't follow the structure of a slasher movie. Um, but like, I, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I'm also just really lucky that they brought me an outline and I didn't have to, I, I sort of like got scene assignments and didn't have to do a lot of the like really <laughs> fundamental creative thinking. It was it was great. Um, I just got to be like, I don't feel like writing that one. Can we cut it? And they would be like, fine. <laughs> 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 Hashtag collaboration. Collaboration.
0: Um, That's awesome. Yeah, you know that that idea of it being a classic classic musical theater structure. You're you're spot on. Um, because I, I saw Last December, but then I, I was in that reading with you guys in, in August, and I remember having that thought as well of this is just like, this is just a musical. This is just a really lovely musical that's been dressed up with all these fantastic colors and makes for a raucous and delightful time. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love
3: that you point out that the groundedness is what allows audiences to just go on the wild ride. Yeah. No, I think that like buying into a tree sort of uh, story where a bunch of trees are talking would be a lot harder if we were also asking you to buy into like a really sort of unusual uh, like structure in a really sort of like challenging like musical landscape and a really sort of you know I think that like allowing those things to be fun and uh and you know somewhat familiar probably is what like makes the rest of it you know accessible at all. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I don't know, or maybe it. You know. um, yeah. And the last thing I wanted to say about this I, was uh, this idea that, like, um, I think that um, nope, it's gone. Let's move on. Patrick, I saw you and Mia. Did you want to add something?
2: No, I just wanted to add that, like, one of the one of the things that came uh, that came from Charlie, which I think helped add to the clarity, which also just adds another layer to the onion, is the role that our um, our narrators, our our old mm. small Paul and our Noel play in helping guide the audience through moments that might need a little more clarity they help be a touchstone from point to point from moment to moment in a way that a lot of like musicals do in a way that a lot of movies do it's like let's give you two anchor characters that can help guide you through this story so like whenever you're lost let's turn to these two anchor characters to help explain how we got from a to b to c to d um so those were uh, thank
3: you so much because that was what I was going to say. And that was that was literally, I was just going to, I think that they buy us a lot of permission to not have to follow through on every, like, because they anchor us in 2022 and not in the 80s, like, A, it doesn't have to be, like, purely accurate 80s. And, like, B, I think that, like, we, we um yeah, we get a lot more permission to, like, play because they're sort of, like, someone taking us along for the ride. And also just, it's, like, doing the princess Bride like, thing, hopefully, a little bit. Um, yeah. Which is, like, yeah, more 80s, so. More 80s. <laughs> just. 80s on 80s on 80s. Um, that's very
0: smart, yeah. And it works very, very well, I can say, from experience, that like, I feel comforted being like, aha, I know that if anything's going to get confusing, don't pull us back around. Like, like, ah, I feel well taken care of as an audience member. And I'm excited to see the new version. Aha. Um, could you speak to... Because I think there's... Uh, a question in a lot of people's minds about what makes something un- like a nod to a style mm-hmm. versus like a parody of can you talk a little bit about what that difference is and how you found it with this show because it's all original like for, for all of you at home the entire thing is fully original they're not like taking things that already exist and changing the words this is uh purely original
3: material so what 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 is that how did you find that I, ooh, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on this, especially having just come off of, like, worked on a, a show that was a, a more direct parody. Like, what does it mean to, like, do a show that's, like, a parody of a genre or sort of, like, sending up a genre, which maybe send up is maybe a more accurate, feels closer
2: yeah, to what we're doing. Yeah, so, like, I, I I would say what we did, or, hmm, a, a lot of what we took from, like, approaching this material is, like, a, a lot of the the send up of it came in, sort of like outlining moments, like figuring mm. out like like if we start from from a structure standpoint, we sort of grabbed ridiculous moments from other movies and like how can we how can we like take what like take what we want from these other projects and combine them into one thing, like creating this sort of like melting pot structure. um, and then I think when it came to like sending up those tropes, I think a lot of the, we, we like we just created a list of like, 80s jokes 80s references that we're just like all right where over the course of this outline over the course of this script does it make make sense to throw up baby jessica in the well reference where does it make sense to throw in a challenger reference where does it make sense to throw in a you know a bill cosby reference like to like you just named the
3: three <laughs> most uncomfortable jokes the three yeah. jokes i've like Worked on the most to like make myself comfortable with. That's amazing, Patrick. You just know. So, yeah,
2: (laughs) you're welcome. You're welcome, everyone. But so, like, where where do you find uh, these moments that, like, in the 80s were like phenoms? And, like, now that we've like, like, we have a little bit of separation from them, how can we talk about them now in a way that, like, we didn't talk about them then? Hmm. So whether or not you want to call that parody, it's like giving yourself permission to talk about things through the lens of the 80s now that you might not have been able to talk about in the 80s then. I don't know if that really lines up with where you're talking about parody. Um, because I think we are like in in a lot of ways, the a lot of the parody we're doing is sort of parodying things that happen now. Like we have a we have a mob mentality scene that breaks out. And the parody of that is our hook. We're like, oh, yes, thoughts and prayers like that will solve everything. So like that's the parody song we wrote. So I feel like but that's not necessarily a parody of the 80s. That's just a parody of a sentiment that we still have to this day. Um, So I, I think it's a matter of like finding elements that. Yeah, that that fit in to tell the story that we think is still funny and still sends up not just the '80s, but just different sort of uh, uh, you know, pop culture moments, elements, times,
3: etc. Mm-hmm.
2: I think yeah. Yeah, so as far, far as, as... Oh, oh, go, go ahead, sorry.
3: Charlie. No, no, uh, this is very. Uh, I think once I once there was a sort of realization that like the the big joke of the show is like they have no idea what's coming. Um, that became like a really way that became a way to like clarify the entire like lens to which we were like doing all of these jokes and i think also like what it meant to like be parodying this thing which is like to say oh this is actually like a, it is ignorant in ways that it like is going to become aware of in a really brutal way very soon um <laughs> anyway yeah
2: anthony
1: yeah yeah it's it, it, it's interesting because it it is kind of like we're we're not parried parodying per se, like one specific thing, like like, as opposed to, as you referenced, that Patrick and I just came off of writing like an actual parody Mm -hmm. of a property, which is its own whole particular can of worms that I don't know that I understand for sure still at this point. But what was beautiful about Xmas and what I think is always going to be beautiful in anything that I try to write is that we are creating something that's completely original, but it's more kind of a collage or, or bricolage of things that we're just kind of collecting around, yeah. around, around themes of Christmas or themes of the eighties. So there's lots of ways to kind of incorporate different like mini send ups, but the whole thing itself is not, it is not a particular parody. It's kind of, but it's interesting. It's an interesting question. Cause I'm not, I haven't really been thinking of it in that way, but there certainly are, like, tons of moments you can point to that are.
3: Yeah. The whole jamming scene, like, it's the trope of, like, if you have sex in a horror movie, you'll be the first to die, and, like, that, yeah, it just, like, plays that out. Yeah, exactly. It's parody because of trees. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you know, it
0: is interesting, because we think about parody as being, like, take a, a property that exists and put a twist on it but what you did is this is not a property that exists you created this property but then you pulled from all these things that do exist and some some of the the jokes are more referential like oh you sweet sweet summer children you don't know what's coming and then other things are just like oh i recognize that because i've seen that in a thousand 80s films you know um and I think that's smart. What you guys did was very very smart cuz again, we recognize all of what you've put into this while still being like I don't know where the story is going. Like <laughs> okay. <laughs> here we go. Um it,
2: it's fun because I like people like they're I mean to this day there's still this huge huge uprise of like 80s nostalgia people still want to live and love the 80s and it's like when you actually hold a microscope to the 80s I mean sensor warning they were pretty fucked up like like there was a lot that happened like so it's it's interesting to sort of like like literally hold up a light to like oh yes what a fun time to host a musical in the eighties, but like, let's also shine a light on all of the really dark things that did happen in the eighties. So I don't know whether you would like, whether that lives in satire land or parody land or send up land, but yeah, that's, that's part of what we're doing in the show. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a real combo platter of all those things for sure. Yeah, was it
3: you, you Anthony, that talked early on about like the '80s as like the last decade, and sort of like the '90s was like the '80s part two, and the 2000s was like the '80s part three, and just sort of like we're just experiencing the consequences and sort of repeating the same thing, like this like capitalist sort of like nightmare over and over. Yeah, like, to the I, I
1: think. Yeah, I think that's the kind of one of the things that first interested me was just kind of how it's you know history has become a bit of an ouroboros. It seems like just eating its own mm-hmm. tail over and over again, and feel like we haven't we haven't really. Like, I think about this a lot with music, how the 50s to the 60s to the 70s, though, of course, it's not like it's not like here is this style and then it absolutely changes. It is it is gray and it is process oriented. But I still I think I would argue that post 80s into the 90s and beyond, it, we've gotten more and more prone toward just kind of repeating or rehashing or recreating sounds that have come before. and. Aren't so much kind of creating some like things entirely new or entirely new, you know, some symbolic orders to build music on or build any kind of art on. And so it is a theme that I was thinking about a lot when we got into this. Like that's not uh, but you know, but how that how that cashed out. I mean, this is still like a frothy dark comedy. It's not like we're focusing on that, but it's one of the interests uh, for sure of that time for me. Yeah. Well, I
0: think speaking as someone who has consumed the material, um, I was both surprised and delighted by how much the piece made me think. Mm. Like even sitting there watching ridiculous things happen on stage with some excellent jokes that were making me belly laugh. I was like, oh, oh, why is this still today? (laughs) <laughs> like where where did we go wrong how how is this so applicable to the 80s and yet so applicable to literally right now um which i, I think is just uh, a testament to what you guys have created and the thought that you did bring to it you, you, you brought thought and care and um like i don't feel preached at. i just feel like okay this will stick with me for a hot sec i'm gonna mm-hmm. think about this yeah.
3: I wonder how much of that is just like inevitable that like, even if we tried to avoid doing that or like any sort of like messaging or sort of like saying anything at all, like it was just, we were writing a show during the pandemic and like, cool. we all have opinions on things. Like it was just, it, it was going to happen. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Anyway,
0: it's a good question. Um. All right. So talk to me about your collaboration process because all three of you now have said you've had your hands in... <laughs> <laughs> other things other than the thing that you're labeled on the script as being. So uh, how, how does that work? Where, where were contributions
1: made and, and what did that look like? Well, some of it, I, I mean, for me anyways, is just vestigial. Be, being that Patrick and I kind of, you know, when we started this whole thing, it was just Patrick and I meeting once a week. We'd go to a bar and we'd talk about, okay, we've got this idea. Then we started to create this outline. And then once the pandemic, really started taking shape then we started really actually writing some of the book scenes as well we wrote a couple of the songs so some of it is just kind of trickled down because it's not you know uh, of like course economics. the lion's share but yeah yes like <laughs> like, like economics yes uh, the lion's share of course of book is indeed charlie's but every once in a while i'll go Ooh, ooh, i've got I've got a little a little piece in there. So part of it was just practical in that aspect. And then another part of it again is like the joke game that we were playing. So that we've kind of we've kind of put little little stamps here and there, uh all over each other's like departments, which is to me is beautiful and I love.
3: And I think like there was a an ease of like, I, I think like if Patrick needed to tap in on dialogue mid-song or setting up a song, or like if I sort of realized that I changed a plot element that like required a lyric change, like I would usually write the bad version and Patrick would write sort of the, you know, the version that we would use. Um, but, like, you know, I, that was, I think there was a sense that that was allowed, that we could, like, do stuff like that and and trust that, you know, the other person, the sort of department head would, like, make sure that it, like, did what it needed to do. But, like, that, yeah, we weren't going to be really precious about anything.
2: Yeah, we each had our own sort of wheelhouse that we sort of, yeah, department head, like like Charlie put it. But, yeah, it like, j- Joke Game allowed all of us to, like, pitch jokes, to pitch different book elements. I know that, like, when Anthony and I were in the songwriting process, sometimes, like, we we wrote most of the show in Logic, so we would just, like, write, like, Anthony would be like, here's the beat, here's, like, how everything looks. Sometimes there'd be a melody, sometimes there wouldn't be, so, like, a lot of times I would set lyrics to exactly what Anthony wrote, other times there would just be a groove, and he'd be like go to town so I could like I could play around with like writing a couple of Melody pitches at the end of the day though I would give Anthony a pitch and as music head he would say cool yeah let's use that or I'm going to do a variation on that and like make it my own but that I think allows for all of us to take a little bit of ownership over many different elements like there there are lyrics that Anthony wrote there are lyrics that Charlie wrote there are lyrics that I wrote there's some musical elements that I wrote most of the music elements Anthony wrote like in a couple of bit of like book that like all of us had a say in, so it, it's nice that we can all feel a little bit of ownership over most of the show together, which is really cool, yeah,
1: yeah. And it's a real blend. It's like you know, it's like when you write something on a piece of paper and then you erase it, but write something right over the top of it, and then yeah. you do that over and over again. What's the there's a name for that, there's like a fancy name for that, but that's like kind of what it is. And then so- suddenly you've just got bits and pieces kind of baked in. I love that. There's
0: <laughs> oh, the puppy.
1: Um, there's a a beauty in,
0: in the fact that the three of you were so comfortable with one another and in going into the process where you could do that, because I know that there are a lot of writers out there who are scared of a collaborative process like that, because it feels like you're giving up your control, you're giving up your ownership over certain things. But it sounds like you, the three of you found a really lovely balance between, hey, let's experiment and play and let's do what's necessary for the piece. And also, here's
1: the person who has final say. And I think that's great. And unique and delightful. yeah, yeah, it worked out. I mean, it worked out very well and it's been it's been a joy, such a joy to write it. Uh, but also it it helps though. it it, it helps. Like I don't know my my personal thinking on anything I write is always like oh this is all just garbage and 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 and, if, and hopefully somebody else likes it but it makes me I don't know I, I I never mind if somebody's like can we redo this uh it's it's rare that I get really overly precious about that cause I always think it's kind of fun to just do a new take and write something else like any mm. excuse to write 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 something new is great and so being in a in a I don't know being in a good collaboration often I think and it's, and in, It inspires the ability to do that in me even more, which has just been great.
2: Yeah, especially when you have people who are comfortable working, just like figuring out how to make a song work. We have one song that we've, in this show, that we've rewritten at least seven times now, like whether it's lyric changes, book changes getting into it, like reshaping a verse. There's another, uh, there's a bingo song that we like, we've been trying to cut for at least a year. And it just keeps, like, like, it keeps sneaking its way back into the show. So, like, it's, like, and I think a lot of that is because we're all comfortable figuring out ways of, like, how can we make each other's work better? And Mm. at the end of the day, like, that's what, that's what the show is. It's, like, nobody's being precious because we know everybody's just trying to make everybody else's work better for the sake of the show. Yeah.
0: Ah, I love that so much. Also, I love all of you, so, like, my heart is swelling three times. Um... So can we talk a little bit about the current uh, thing that is in rehearsal that's about to be on the stage in, you know, a few weeks? Um, what What uh, is this process for you right now in putting up the show? Especially because Charlie is still not in New York at this moment. Um, and also, can you talk to us a little bit about your,
3: your cast and creative team? Yeah. I'm gonna let you guys take it because I'm in Iowa and uh, I love everyone who's on our team, uh, but I don't get to see them as much as
1: you do. Yeah, yeah. Go. Do you want to? You want to take this, Patrick?
2: I mean, it depends. Yeah, I mean, where where would you like to start? I mean, I, I I think it's super exciting. So we've we've got we we we're we're opening up in what two weeks? Two weeks okay. from Thursday is opening night, which is just wild. Uh, the show's <laughs> okay. gonna run from December 1st through December 18th. Um, but we were lucky enough to just, like, we've assembled a, a, a cast of, a a cast of people just through, like, our network of folks to, like, and, and, like, it's, it's so fascinating to see that, like, so much of, like, being in New York is, is, like, the, the theater family that you create, and just seeing the cast and crew that we've thrown together here, like, I'm really sort of proud of the theater family that we've created, um, uh, Jake Beckard is directing, he was uh, he was recommended to us by a, a good friend of the show, Ivy Lowe. Uh, but then with Jake, uh, we were introduced to uh, McKenna Goodrich, who is like associate directing and, and choreographing the show. So being able to have both a director and an associate director and a choreographer, where the two of them can just get together and no matter who can be at rehearsal, they've, like their collaboration is strong enough that like the there has always been a leader of the ship in the rehearsal room. Which is just awesome, and then to see this like we've got this this amazing blend of like of like we've got Broadway caliber talents in the show like Carissa Burtles is like the Carissa Burtles like love me some Carissa, um, and then we've got we've we've got uh, but we also have some uh, some some younger talent on the show like uh, Jesse Joaca who is uh, from, from Arizona who we, we were only privileged to, to get a chance to work with because of McKenna. So it's like, Oh, like we, like we have this connection to this. We, we get other connections to this. Um, I can, I can give a, a whole rundown of the cast. Like we, like luckily, like we're lucky enough to work with Curry Whitmer as, um, as our old small Paul, we get to work. Yeah. Like I said, with Jesse Joaca as, as our small Paulette, uh, Angelo McDonough, who I've had the privilege of working with, like, Multi- on multiple shows. He's coming back to work with us again as Small Paul. Um, Richard LaFleur, who I worked with like 10 years ago in Summerstock, is is joining us as like our, our Buck and Chuck track on this show. We were introduced through McKenna again to uh, Lucy Rossi, who's going to be covering. Uh, she is like our and Patrice so Richard and Lucy cover essentially like all of our bully trees who are working like they play multiple different trees uh we've got Ben Schrager who we were only lucky enough to meet because of our connection with Jake the director so like this is more just like more worlds combining uh Anthony and I uh we we worked on a a, a, a saw the musical. Shout out to Saw the musical, but we um we saw R J Christian in auditions for Saw, and we're like he was incredible. Let's bring him in to work on this show. Um, please, I I, I want to make sure I'm not forgetting anybody's names. So like, uh, we've got Rose Ann Rebutt, who uh, Charlie and I worked on on a production of Two Star Motel years back. Uh, brought her in for the reading, and then brought her back onto this show. Uh, Mark Munoz is another one who's in our ensemble that we met through McKenna, and we got to bring him into the show. Um, I I think I think and then there's I, Kelly I, Kelly Whitley
1: Kelly. who's uh uh Kelly who's a dear friend, but uh, going back like years and, and I I and, I and of course I met her through another songwriting team I work with Kristen Bazzina and Jess Pensius and Kelly and Kristen are like old friends I knew she did a lot of improv comedy and I just and I just love her so uh so she came on board as well and then uh, also our music director Sa- Sarah uh, Linger who we met. Through Saw, because she happened to be music directing Saw. We loved her work, and she was brought over here. And then also the person that's helping me do the tracks for this also did Saw, but also orchestrated and did tracks for Prince's new pet named Zach Hansen. He's been fantastic. So it's kind of fun how, I don't know, it's like a glacier, I feel like, theater. It's like <laughs> you, you just like pick, you pick people up along the way as, as you kind of creep forward which is the best and it just or, becomes or, or a the bit blog, of a family you know if we're going yeah. horror
2: film wise we're just like yeah or the blog we're, our way. we're picking up more people <laughs>
1: yeah absolutely um but that's kind of one of the lovely things cuz over over time you've got this little community all your own that you do theater with and hopefully this just leads to more of these folks appearing in shows that we write
2: yeah, yeah. we were we were lucky enough to even get into the players theater because of Aaron Quinlan, who was a BMI friend, who pitched our show to the folks at the Players Theater, and the folks at the Players Theater were like, "Come do the show." So just it's it's that whole community vibe, and and yes, we are sad uh, that Charlie is all the way in Iowa, but he will he will he will he'll be here for opening night. So if you come to opening night, you'll get Woo. you'll get to see Charlie O'Leary uh, in the flesh. He'll be there. Um, yeah, it's a it's 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 been quite an experience, and we're we're really blessed to be able to work with the people that uh we're able to work with on this show. They've been yeah. fantastic.
1: Are you going to be here on, you're going to be here through the, that Saturday, Charlie, right?
3: The third? My plan is to be here like uh, from like, yeah, Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Like I'm, I'm I'm planning to just miss tech is sort of my vibe. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and then yeah. Uh, sort of roll in <laughs> right just in time to make sure that all the work is done. And then, uh, and then stay through uh, the, you know, four performances that weekend. I, I kind of want us to get four times. I feel like if we're going to continue working on it, I want to like learn as much as I can. Uh-
1: I mean, I only asked because you should come to my holiday party on the 3rd, I hope.
3: <laughs> I love this. I love that I'm getting an invite ri- live during an interview,
1: like, sort of like... Well, like, you have you have, you should have the invite in your email, but, I, you know, Wow, not, okay, not yeah, sure I, I'm you've responded yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> I, I have not. I certainly have not. And yeah. it's, uh, my e- inbox is sort of, uh... Michael's responded.
1: Fired. I did. I'm going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> See y'all there. Good. good. Love it. Um, I'm going no, I never...
0: after seeing Axmas. Yeah, Saturday night.
1: Yeah, it's it's perfect. I'm hoping you know I'm hoping some of the cast comes on up. It'll be it'll be nice.
0: That'll be fun. I can't wait. Um, I love it. I love that that every everyone involved in this show either was a uh, a friend already, a recommendation through someone who you're working with currently, or was someone you've worked on on a project previously. Like that is the beauty of the theater community. Like just the fact that. You never, you're always gaining more. You never, uh, just like, you never, uh, trimming the hedges. Mm,
2: um, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah.
0: Good, 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 good.
2: Mediocre good best.
0: I'll, I'll work on my tree puns. But you guys can joke. We can joke, <laughs> we
2: can joke game it. We'll figure it out. In- and,
0: <laughs> perfect. Thank you. Just put it in the hat for later. Um. All right. So what should people expect when they buy their tickets? Because they're gonna buy their tickets. They're gonna come to the Players Theater, which is downtown. And what should they expect uh, of the show? What, like, do, do we need to dress up as trees or something? Like a sort of gimmick here? I wouldn't mind.
1: That would be okay. great. Uh,
3: yeah, we sort of would, you know, celebrate that a lot. Uh, and I was going to say we would give you a free ticket, but I don't know. Um, we just sort of celebrate it. Uh, I think there's actually, so we were in a design meeting the other day and I think there's sort of a concept where there's a little bit of a separate, we're sort of creating a proscenium in this black box where mm. there's a separation between the human world of the audience and the tree world of, of Treetown. Oh, no. uh, so I actually, you know, I think that dressing up as a human would actually be very on brand for the show. I'll do my but, best.
1: But not like Hannibal Lecter style. Because <laughs> oh God.
3: Okay. Don't don't dress up as a human. Uh, yeah, I guess,
1: I guess he sort of dresses up as a human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah,
3: sort of on brand in a different way. More yeah.
1: 90s uh, horror. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, where where can people find all the information? Where can they follow you for content? Um, where can they buy their checkouts?
2: Yeah. So if you if you check out an com. Uh, you can, uh, you can see our log jam and lyric video, which is a, a blast. Uh, yes. you can, you, you, you can, uh, there's a link there to tickets. Uh, it, since you watched this video, uh, when you go to your ticket portal through like anaximastory.com, use code two, the number two, weird, the number four, too long. It's a joke from the show. You'll get it later. So too weird for too long, uh, Enter that, enter that promo code to get 50% off your tickets, uh, because Michael Ratty sent you, um, so, so yeah, you'll get all the information to the show, also feel free to, I know, I know, uh. Twitter is on fire right now, but you can uh, you can follow us at anaximiststory.com. You can also find us at anaximiststory.com, or sorry, at story on Twitter, at anaximiststory on Instagram. We're also uh, uh, story on Facebook as well. You can find us on all of those places. Uh, we're still setting up our Twig Talk yet. We, we just haven't gotten around to it. Um, but, you know, sooner rather than later.
1: And also, if you don't feel like, you know, putting in uh, tweak talk, putting in promo codes and the like, which of course you're welcome to do, we're also on today ticks and run. We're on a couple of those apps as well. We on we're on other things as well, right? Yeah, today
2: ticks and Gold Star, and uh, I mean, if you if you got TDF, look on TDF. They're like fifteen dollars tickets. So check us out on TDF.
0: Um, man, I'm gonna put all these in the description below. So, uh, people have all of the access, all of the axe, the axe miss
2: yeah. That one definitely beats, uh, you know, trimming the hedges. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. I get better with time, I promise. Wonderful,
0: awesome. This is so fantastic. Um, Thank you all for for having Thank this conversation. You. I've been very much looking forward to this since I mentioned it in August. And I'm just so happy that we're finally here and the show is happening and I get to see it again in a few weeks. So Ooh, okay. come get in the um,
1: holiday spirit down in the village.
0: Yeah. Yes, please. And also, if there are um, ways that we can follow each of uh, you personally and just send them my way, and I'll put those in the description below as well, because you know, you're all wonderful people who make brilliant work all the time, and people should know you. So
1: thank, thank you, you so all. much, Michael. Oh, my yeah, pleasure.
0: this is a pleasure. Yeah, this has been wonderful. And um, for all of you at home, do make sure to visit axmasstory.com and get your tickets um, or through any of the ways below. And I hope to see you all there. So thanks, everyone, for being here. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you all for being here with me today. And I'll see you again soon. Cheers.